Hello and welcome to the Streamcast. I'm Shadow the Hedgehog. And I'm joined by... Jake Mueller. And Kyobu. Excellent. We are fresh off the heels of the first ever Streamcast live quiz. And we have been joined by our champion, Gyobu. I'm here. You're welcome. Big dubs. (laughs) (laughs) For the inaugural champ. If you missed the quiz, make sure to check that out on Twitch, Streamcast TV, or on YouTube, Streamcast. And why not give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Streamcast underscore. Now, let's get on with this podcast. We'd like to announce that February's PS Plus lineup is looking pretty solid. From the first Tuesday of February, PS4 owners will be able to download Concrete Genie and Control, where PS5 owners will be able to download Destruction All-Stars and Control for the month of February. That is looking like one of the better months that I can remember. Japanese PS Plus members will not have control on the PS4, but instead they will have Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is one of those Metroidvania games where it's like 2D and there are rooms where they're all interconnect. You know, like Dark Souls, where like every level kind of connects, you can get anywhere really. So make sure you take advantage of that if you are a PS Plus account holder. And if you are Japanese and you're listening to this podcast, First off, hey, how's it going? And let us know how you're finding Bloodstained if you're going to give that a try. Moving to some serious news. Gaming firms have been fined £7 million. And this is for geo-blocking and basically splitting up the single EU market. Does anyone have any shouts or thoughts on this? Um, The single EU market is in all the different countries. like Yeah. So companies are not allowed to split up the single European market. Okay, so it's, do you mean it's supposed to be a base rate for all the countries? And they're like, okay, for this country, you're getting this price. Da, 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 da. In a way. So some countries have some countries are just well less well off than others. So they would be expected to pay less for the same product that a country that is more rich would pay. But what has happened here is publishers have agreed with Valve, who owns Steam, to have a certain number of keys for their games and they can control the price and the regions that they are sold into, which is stopping consumers from shopping around for the best deal, which is illegal. So a number of publishers, including Bandai Namco, Capcom and Zenimax have been found guilty. And a lot of these countries have more or less complied with the European Commission with Valve being the one odd thumb, and they've been fined over £1.4 million, and they are not taking this well. They're not taking this lightly. So it's essentially to do with Steam and PC games, and we're going to have to wait and see to find out what happens with these companies going forward, because it looks like Valve isn't going to be taking this sitting down. I feel like in the grand scheme of things, 1.4 million is not a lot of money for Valve to be paying. And I think they have to take into consideration, first of all, capitalism. So we know whatever you're charging us for, you're going to try and charge us the top amount rather than the lower amount. All the capabilities of things that we have. If you're a PC gamer, you need to keep up to date with, you know, 
what your PC can handle in order to play all these new games. If you've got consoles, so this PS5 has come out, you're spending like 500 plus pounds for this console in order to play the next few games. I don't think it makes sense, especially with the economy looking the way that it's looking, for them to restrict, you know, restrict people's purchasing rights. People are not going to be able to afford the things you want them to afford if you're going to limit what they can choose from. We're either going to buy it or we're not going to buy it. In a way, they're sort of cutting their purse strings. I think that's essentially what they've done and why it's unethical, why this is a law in the first place. So they've tried to undercut the public for their own personal profit margins. I feel like when games get past a certain amount, I'm not going to pay this amount for a game no matter how interesting it is i'm not going to pay 60 quid for a game i'm really not like that's not something that i can afford living in the uk i don't know about less well off countries but 60 quid is a lot of money like that's a full day's work for some people and they definitely should not put restrictions on if they're trying to keep a large market of customers to sort of it's weird it's kind of like gatekeeping in a way like if you can't afford it you shouldn't be doing it when gaming is supposed to be for everyone Wow, that's a solid point. So, I remember a convo about the cost of making games, and developers were saying that making a game is too expensive versus the price of a game that a consumer is paying for them. And essentially, they said it's going to come to a head where we're either going to need to make games more expensive or we're going to need to make smaller games. So, on that front, do you have a side that you would be leaning towards if that ever became a reality? So the thing is with that is if you're going to make a game more expensive, it's got to it's got to just be ready out of the box. It's got to be functional. It's got to perform. And recently we see a lot of games that just aren't, they're not fully ready, and then you get DLC, extra content, or you'll get patches when like you're not buying a product that's worth 60 or 70 pounds so for you to even make that argument you got to make sure when your game comes out it's good and it works and it's everything you advertised and more and on the flip side i wouldn't mind a smaller game i felt like yeah make it a little bit cheaper and give me a smaller game because a lot of shorter games have given me more enjoyment like for example ghost of sushi i absolutely loved it but I, I lived, slept and breathed it for like three days solid, like 72 hours of my life. On the other hand, a game like Normal Heroes, I can finish that in like 10, 15 hours. Or with you, Streets of Rage, like that's, that didn't take you too long, but you still had like a really good time in it. Um, Among Us, for example, like there's hours of fun to be had there. Like I can see the arguments for both. And to be fair, like most things in life, if you can justify the price, then, I mean, people are going to buy it. Like, you could go on a date night and you'd spend, like, maybe, like, 100 quid, you and your partner, you had a really nice meal, you had a nice time. That, that's that's justified. You had a really good time. Like, a game can last you, like, 50 hours. If God of War came out and it was 80 quid, but it was the best thing I ever played in my life, I wouldn't hate the fact that I spent 80 quid on it. I think it just comes down to just the value of the game. Like, just don't take the piss um, and make things... I guess consistent to an extent. Like, if you're going to have a higher end, the whole point of AAA games is the best of the best. It's the gold standard. They charge eighty quid. All right, give me that experience. But you get a lot of indie games that just blow out of the water. Like Akira, for example. I'm pretty sure 
that you would much rather spend an afternoon playing Overcooked than Cyberpunk with all its with its mess and problems. Um, Hundred percent. So, like, to bring yeah. So, to bring it back to what you said, Andy. Um, as long as the value is justified, I don't really mind too much what video game companies charge. Now, obviously, it's still capitalism, so don't take the piss and think you can just, like, charge 150 quid when all of your peers are charging 60 pounds for a game. But if you can, like, justify why your content is worth X amount, then, yeah, like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay it. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. It just comes down to, you know, the value of your game. Is it worth what you're charging us? That is very good. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Akira, do you have a side that you lean towards when it comes to the same games, the same price, but smaller games, shorter games, or the same cost, the same sized games, but more money to pay for them? I feel like I agree with Isaac's point where it's like it needs to be value for money. And a lot of these 60 upwards price brackets are not justifying the quality that they're given and at the same time i just can't get my head around them contesting 1.4 million because that is not a lot of money for them bearing in mind if you are a developer i know it's not for free games but if you are a developer you do have to pay to get your game on steam so i'm like you're taking money from here you're taking money from here there and the other you're also making your own games in the grand scheme of things 1.4 million is not a lot of money I, this it just feels like a bit of a nonsensical fight, like, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's in like I said in the grand scheme of things that's a small amount of money. I can't side with that kind of behavior. Yeah, I think this has opened a can of worms because I think to answer my own question, I think I am very much on the side of I'd rather have shorter games than pay more money, and essentially I'm going to echo Isaac here. Like, some of the games I've had the most fun on have been really short games. Streets of Rage 4, I think I've put like five hours into it, but that is still one of my favorite games of the last year. And just because you put more content into a game doesn't mean the game is automatically better because of it. We've said this on the Spider-Man review. I feel Spider-Man would have been a better game if they took out some of the side quests because they they were repetitive and uninspiring. And I feel you could have cut back a bit on that and give us more of the story or mm. just leave the story, leave the story as is, but take out some of those side quests as in catching pigeons and fixing the environment and that. You just go get that cat. <laughs> yeah, we didn't need all of that. So I think you brought up some great examples, Isaac, with Among Us. Among Us is a bare bones game. If we're breaking it down, there's not much going on in that game, but it's a game that, you know, only Fortnite can top in terms of mainstream appeal. You've you've mentioned Streets of Rage 4. Overcooked is not a game that takes a lot, but the, it's it's such a simple premise and it's executed perfectly. I think we're realizing these games that don't really have all of the buttons mapped to an action are actually not bad. Sonic Mania, I've only put 20, 30 hours into it, and it's one of my favorite games of the entire last decade. And there is about two buttons that do stuff like you don't need to put you know all of this fancy smanchy stuff for your game to be 10 out of 10. people are overlooking the basic function of a game fun 
And if you're going to try and tell me that you need me to pay 90 pounds or 70 pounds even for a game such as, uh, let's go with, what's a really big title that comes out every year, FIFA. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not going to happen. So I'd much rather you give me a game that has maybe a 10-hour main campaign over a game that has maybe a 100-hour campaign, but there's a ton of filler. The acting is awful. The script is bland. Like, I think (laughs) give us more of good stuff as opposed to just giving us more. If you're going to justify that price tag, put your heart and soul in it. And I think you made another good point, Isaac, when you said, people will pay stuff like people will pay money if they believe it's worth it and people will be out there spending hundreds of pounds on games we found out that resident evil 6 were putting out a premium edition for 1300 dollars. all you get is a jacket with it with the game and some dog tags or something they've done that game as well (laughs) number eight you get a shit pico pico doesn't have buttons it looks awful it's basic you can get a better one from h&m you know how badly I wanted the Chris Redfield um, figurine and then I saw the price and I was like, yeah, I don't like him that much. <laughs> you see, but there will be people out there buying it because somehow they always get sold out. So it's just justifying that price tag. And for me, the content alone or the hard work alone isn't enough to justify a higher price point. My enjoyment is more important than the length of the game. So on that debate, I would definitely take a shorter game over a more expensive game. And Akira, you made a good point. 1.4 million is nothing to have. So, <laughs> do you know what it is? Looking past all of these points of 1.4 million, 1. million, all this, that, and the other, when it comes down to brass tacks, they broke the law. They did something they're not supposed to do. And they are fully aware that they did something they're not supposed to do. You don't go and burgle a shop and then be like, no, I'm going to contest this, even though I know it's against the law. You've done something you're not supposed to do and you're getting fined. Pay up and keep it stepping because I love Valve games (laughs) and I will continue to play Valve games. But as a company, your reputation, your, you know, your reputation, if you can say, you know, hands up, I did something bad. We've paid it off. We're going to continue doing best practices that's the way it's going to go. Because especially now in the age of social media and the way things move, if you want to act like a fool, you will get the fool's prizes. I think after they get a certain point in their reputation, they feel like there's more wiggle room for them to move mad. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> you're going to get caught. It's not by the people. It's by the, like, the EU. Are you mad? <laughs> it's a bit funny as well. You know, these people are doing these under the table deals and thinking big, big Europe isn't going to catch them. The whole this is not this is not the mandem. This is the EU, the European Union, the whole of you. Well, except, except for the UK, but we ain't got them at the moment. The whole of Europe. <laughs> this is who you want to go to war with. I just over one point four million. Yeah, when the gaming industry is worth billions, that's pocket change. Ooh, I can't remember the number. Billions. But, I just yeah. read something that said seventeen billion. That's yeah. my, a thousand million. Hand the money over. Stop mm. making noise and embarrassing yourself. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, let us know what you think about this. Do you think Valve have been overreacted, overreactive? Or do you think the EU should maybe take a step back on Valve 
and let them do their geo-blocking thing. I feel like that's a loaded question, but free speech, isn't it? All right, let's move on. Sonic's voice actor, Roger Craig Smith, has announced after 10 years of service, he will no longer voice the fastest thing alive. Roger comes from, or he follows a long line of great former Sonic voice actors, including Jason Griffith and Ryan Drummond. And I am left wondering, who are they going to get to replace the Blue Crusader? I, you see, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about this exactly because Sonic Mania had absolutely no voice acting and it's arguably the best Sonic game of all time. So I'm not sure whether they're focusing their efforts on the right aspects of Sonic here. I don't know if getting rid of Roger's like top priority or anything. I think then Sega really need to focus on making those banging Sonic games. They've done some good movements to win back some of their fans from back in the day. And I think they need to continue to build up the faith in the fans by making good games that speak to them. Roger Craig Smith is also credited as being Ezio from Assassin's Creed and Chris Redfield from Resident Evil, along with a plethora of other roles. He is one of those big names, big Roger Craig Smith. We thank you for your service. And if you are listening to this, who would you fan cast as the next Sonic? Would you have the actor from the movies? I imagine he'd be too expensive, but would you have him as the next Sonic? Or do you have someone else in mind? Or do you think that maybe Sonic games don't really need voice acting at all in general? Let us know. Okay, we're moving on to the Rooney Raw, not named after Wayne, but named after Dan from the NFL, where an ethnic minority needs to be interviewed for senior sporting roles in every team in the NFL. A mutual shareholder of EA and Activision has declared that the Rooney rule, the Rooney rule is really good and should apply to all office roles. Activision have basically said, nah. So I think we should uncover this. This is kind of alarming for me. First of all, who are Activision? They're a big studio. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't pinpoint what games they've done. Well, they fused with Blizzard. Gosh, I can't remember. Yeah, after Wait, Call of Duty? It... COD. Yeah. Is it COD? This... Okay. Is that okay. Activision? <laughs> Activision, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, this makes... this makes so much more sense now. <laughs> well, I've got their page up now. Spyro the Dragon series. Crash Bandicoot. Guitar Hero. Wolfenstein, Spider-Man from 2000 to 2014, yeah, Tony Hawk series, yeah. Star Trek, Quake, Heavy Gear, Battlezone. They're not a small company. We'll put it that way. Yeah, they're big. Been around for a while. This is opening another can of worms, but I think this is good to discuss. Mm. A lot of companies, you know, they've done that. They, let's get everyone in the staff have a picture together thank you to everyone who made this game and you realize everyone's face is white so i think this might be born off that but then you go into you have companies who do have black people asian people you know minorities and then you find that they're all low level jobs no one's managing no one's a senior manager no one's a chief officer so this rooney rule is really meant to combat that it's kind of like affirmative action but further beyond and Activision are saying this is unworkable. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I I just thought the um 
the Rooney rule was in place for upper management and this is being done for lower management positions or like lower positions to management? Um, I'm not sure about that. So I quickly went through it again today because the first time I read it, I just completely misunderstood everything. Um, so I read it again today and like I think it is in place for everyone who is more senior. So yeah, it says here, uh, Vice reports that an Activision Blizzard attorney told SEC in January, while the company has implemented a renewable policy as envisioned for director and CEO nominees, implementing a policy... Okay, it's just see, it's just the top, top brass. Okay, so like everyone yeah. below... Yeah, yeah. Um, it is still the case. Okay, yeah, fair. Because obviously there are middle management roles and... Mm. Well, I right. just looked them up on LinkedIn and they have approximately 10,000 employees. So I don't really know what lie they're telling themselves <laughs> if they can't think I could hire like one black person. Yeah. Wouldn't and it be I that think hard? It wouldn't be that. 10,000. Also, like, I think I addressed this when um we first saw the link because like it was it was put in the WhatsApp group. It's not even a case where like you're being forced to hire someone of color. It, they're just in the interview process. So exactly. this isn't me like being on the side of don't hire black people. But even if you really didn't want to do it, they would just be in the interview process, and this is causing you that much stress. It's They've just arrived for an interview. That's not saying give them the job. It's just interview us. Who knows? Maybe you might realize that we are really talented and would be a massive boon for your company. Yeah, I think that might be what the issue is. Because if I'm being a cynic, I think the Rooney rule isn't strict enough. But I can see why it's the way it is. You could just say, we did interview a black person. We did get Asian people in. It just happened to be that this person was the best candidate for the job and they happened to be white. That is something that could be legally done as a result of this Rooney rule. But it seems like even interviewing people who are done white is an issue for Activision. They've said this is unworkable. Unworkable. Do you know, I don't even like having to put in the disclaimer of you don't have to interview, you have to choose the best person of the for the job because I think that is utter bullshit. They like to say that and throw it in so it makes them seem like, oh yes, but we're this is what we're really looking for. I feel if you find it so difficult to have people of any other nationality except for like the majority one in your country, and you're outright saying this, this is because you already have a working environment that is not conducive for these people. Like, full stop. Not going to interview these people because we'd have to, you know, we'd interview them and they actually might be the best person for the job. And if they are the best person for the job, they're going to come and work in an environment that is probably really flipping toxic. And we already know working for the gaming industry is flipping toxic. As a woman, as a black person, as any person of colour, it's really toxic. So by straight out saying... Yeah, that's yeah, it's not gonna do it for us. We can already tell what kind of company it is, what, what kind of working space it's gonna be. Looking online, I see COD, and I'm like, yeah, nah, I wouldn't interview with the place personally. Yeah, it's a bit, it's such the right word when you see the fan base. It's not even sus, it's and blatant like, in your face. Yeah, tomfoolery. It's almost on a daily basis that we're seeing COD clips uploaded. And there's some sort of toxicity, whether it's racism, sexism, homophobia, some other nonsense. I don't know. Like, 
I feel Activision are showing their asses here. I think because if it was really about finding the right person for the job, this wouldn't even be an issue. It really wouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. It wouldn't because you wouldn't. You take the names off of people's CVs. You'd go through them. You'd interview the person. You might not even interview them. You just interview them on the phone, and you'd be like, "This is the person I want," based on you know work ethic and just merit alone. That is clearly not the case. They are. They're just pressing their butt against the window at this point and mooning the entire world <laughs> because there's no excuse. Ten thousand mm. members of staff, and this is difficult. There's no excuse. I'm not impressed. Directing roles and, you know, CEO, you don't just get those jobs either. You kind of have to be promoted into those roles and then you move across. So, so having the statement, we have the Rooney rule, you know, as a policy for the directors and CEO, but then when you're interviewing, you're going to be asking for that directorship experience and that CEO experience. Where where have you been a chief before? Like, you're not just going to have a... (laughs) a new job as a chief somewhere, you're gonna to have to be promoted there in a company that trusts you. I think Activision are, are trying to keep their culture the way it is. Personally, I don't think it's a good look. I think that they need to think about what they're saying here because this is already public. So we don't know what's gonna come out in the future. I think they're claiming that this rule basically removes the responsibility and the right from Activision to acquire talent to find talent themselves they have to be forced to find people outside of their choices to interview and i think it's a bit of i don't know self you know useless whining i think there really isn't a need for that i think it hides maybe nepotism going on i don't want to like 100% nepotism. It's so slick because it, it's just like the choice of words made by like the attorneys and stuff. Oh, it's unworkable. Mm. Like what, what are you, cha- what, what's difficult about hiring people based solely on merit? Like, are you saying that's difficult because it's not something you currently do? It exposes a lot of things. It definitely exposes the toxic culture it exposes nepotism massively because if you look in the history of gaming all the contributions that have been made by black people it's a whole community that works in gaming it's not unworkable to have a combination of talents from different cultures and backgrounds it's not unworkable unworkable is called for lazy they don't want to do the work yeah we don't want to do work yeah it's code for we don't want to do it i want to do it you can't tell me what to do in my own house (laughs) And then you wonder why the POC groups don't want to play these games. I would not touch COD if it was COD or death. At least my death would be peaceful. (laughs) COD would be stress. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think that the Rooney Rule is something that should be worldwide if it isn't, or or maybe not worldwide, but where possible, implemented. I think that can help get rid of a lot of problems and... I think we are edging closer and closer to a society that we can be proud of that doesn't shame or hate. I think this might be a step in that transition to ensure that, you know, a black person or a gay person or, you know, someone from not the country that they're working, that they're working in or living in. I don't think it's, 
impossible to find someone who happens to like games and be good at their job, you know, be highly numerate. It's not impossible. So after Activision were like, no thanks, EA has said they're going to consider the proposal. I think we could just know from being on Twitter, this past year has been a little, not even a little bit, it's just been bare reckless. People have been so mad on social media about black people playing these games, black people receiving consoles, this, that and the other. And then you have the audacity to say something like this, that this is unworkable. Do you not see the hostile gaming environment that is online and then you want to turn around and look at this rule, which is essentially made to make the playing field equal and be like, no, that's not for us. It's like, by not doing anything, you're completely against progress. But they are not bothered. (laughs) So this shareholder has already had success with the Rooney rule as five of the largest American banks have adopted the rule and added public accountability to their existing diversity initiatives. So if you're already champion diversity and inclusion, the Rooney rule should be something you should be chomping at the bit for. If anything, it shouldn't really be something that hard to implement. You just kind of add it to the, I guess, the laws of the company and carry on as normal. Because if Activision really do like hire diversely, why is this a problem? EA are diverse when they're hiring processes. Why is this an issue? Well, wait really... well, sorry, continue. No, go on. I was going to say, it shouldn't really be an issue. Like, just nothing will change. Literally, this doesn't change anything. Implementing the Rooney Rule is the, it should be just the easiest thing to do. If I was a manager and I was looking at my workload and it said implement Rooney Rule, I'd be like, oh, that's a fucking easy win. Just, just put a law there and change nothing. Done. I just go to all shareholders. So, uh, yeah, the reason why I was late today, I was working extensively hard on this. Uh, I wasn't. I was having sex with my wife. Uh, I was working really hard on this rule. Um, and, you know, things got carried over. But, you know, I've, I've been put a lot of time and effort into this rule. So, uh, you know, if you want to give me a bonus for my hard work, thank you. It's not a big deal. It's easily implemented. And when you said do nothing, that's based on the assumption that you are already interviewing people from many different backgrounds and orientations. Mm. But I mean, how hard is that to do? There's a whole like box on interviews that say like, what is your national, literally Excel spreadsheet. All right, have we met the quota? Okay, uh, probably one person of color has applied. Oh, they haven't? Okay, maybe we're advertising in the wrong spaces. One quick change. Yeah, I, I think that is a solid point to make. I think, of course, that is the first step. The, the The next step is to actually see a change in non-white people becoming CEOs and directors of companies, especially in America where they make up 12% of the population. We should see an increase in that, really, because there's no reason to suspect that they are any less skilled at doing that job. And... The company culture, we touched on it earlier. We need that company culture to be more inviting, more pleasant, less toxic for people who aren't type one. Because all the little jokes, all the little microaggressions, the little cultural things need to be accepting and understanding of other people's culture. And it basically needs to be a safe space because it's okay fulfilling a quota, but if they're made to feel like crap for every day that they work there, you haven't really changed or accomplished much. You follow the Rooney rule, but you haven't really 
fulfilled Rooney's wishes. But that's work. And I feel like these companies were like, this is unworkable. I don't want to do this. It's, is it not Black History Month for the US? Because you know for a fact they are going to mass email as many black people as they know being like, oh, black lives matter. Let's work with you for a month. And then as soon as the 28 goes off. <laughs> these people do not want to do the work, but they want to look good online. That's it. And this is just very blatant. We don't want to do it. And you can't make us. I think for Activision to save face in this, we're going to have to see some reports of what their ethnic makeup is, how many, what percentage of their workers are white, black, Mexican, Asian, and, you know, also look at straight, gay, bisexual, also um, trans. We need to look at that breakdown because if you're saying you don't need the Rooney rule, we already need to see that diversity being in place in your workforce today. And if you can't provide that, I think we, we're going to have a problem because this is a bold-faced lie. We're going to have to see average salaries as well per ethnicity because everyone knows that black people on average get paid less than their white counterparts. There's many levels to this problem. And just saying it's unworkable isn't good enough, isn't a good enough explanation. I think the public, as you have shareholders, I think the public is due this information to make sure that you're not just saying this because you want your mates and nephews to be the next director or CEO. And I want to see where EA stands on this because they have no problem getting all the black superstars in sports on their covers. But where are the black people in their companies? I'm trying to see that change and like, don't just pop up when it's February for the US or October in the UK. We need to see that every day. We need to see that year in, year out, that you are here for true diversity and inclusion. So I'm, I'm very interested in what EA has to say about the Rooney rule. I just feel like a lot of the time, like what's listed in this article, a lot of the time companies just say these things for the sake of saying these things. They like, we have to have this written down somewhere. So if anybody comes back to us, we can say, oh, but we've got it here. It's listed in our policies, but they don't want to do the work. And I really feel like this Rooney rule is not going to go into place here because they don't want to do the work with the community that they've cultivated. That is a toxic place to be. And you know exactly which one. I'm still going to be banging on about the same one. I literally watched a video today about a guy saying how toxic it is. And he's like, I don't put these videos up for people to be like, oh, I'm so sorry about this, blah, blah, blah. I put this shit up for receipts because I need, yeah, if anyone wants to come back, I'll be like, but you did it here. You need receipts. They're mm. not committed to sorting these problems out. There's no place, no way they're going to clean up their own home. Unless they're embarrassed enough. You will have to show me. The only way that these people will pay attention is money. The same yeah, way the true. EU is like, Valve, you better run me my milli. They need to do it to Action <laughs> Blizzard. It's, yeah, it's true. I think once racism starts affecting people's pockets, I think we'll see true change. It's sad it has to come to that, but I think that is a key to changing this world for the better. Yeah, so I'm just reading more of this article and I'm seeing how Activision is saying that they don't need this already champion, champion in diversity. Right, if I inclusion. go on your LinkedIn, yeah, Activision, and I start scrolling. But I'm not seeing any numbers. 
I'm not seeing any percentages. I'm not seeing, we've had an influx, we've had an increase in our workforce. There's no, there's no stats to back it up. So yeah, it, it sounds like you're just trying to professionally sidestep a problem or a solution to the problem that you've been given. I mean, if you if you're genuinely about this, fucking let your nuts drag. Show everyone you're about that action. You're clearly not. You're just talking rubbish. <laughs> you're saying these things to make yourself look good, but you have nothing to back it up. And what, do you know what? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of people in positions of like power or influence who are saying these things, and they have got nothing to back it up with. I think it's very important that obviously we've got. EA on the other side where it's like we're looking at two different companies and this one's like we're doing this and we will continue to do this we don't want to do this we already do this it's very important that we bring them to task because people just lie barefaced lie on your face and even when you catch them in the lie they'll try and make you feel like you're mad well if you're listening to this podcast please let us know what your thoughts are do you think Activision are in their own right to reject the Rooney rule to interview people from diverse backgrounds? Do you think it should purely be on the merit base and nothing else? Do you think Activision are full of it and are trying to sidestep this proposal from their shareholder? And what do you think about EA? Do you think EA should do this as well? And what do you think about the Rooney Rule applying to all organizations and sectors in the West? All right, Isaac, I think you had some points you wanted to discuss about Cyberpunk and pre-orders. Uh, yeah, um, basically, Cyberpunk have been releasing some, some hotfixes for their game since its wonderful launch in December that everyone loved. And... The, the latest like patch that they promised in January, and there's another one happening in February, but the latest one in January, I've been looking online and it doesn't look to have fixed a lot of things. And it's also introduced a new game-breaking bug uh, where you can't progress the main story. Um, I think they've released another patch now, and this has actually fixed this issue. And really and truly, what they should have been doing now is working on the DLC that fans were promised. And if the the next patch in February is isn't as helpful as the one isn't as helpful basically, uh, just like the one we had in January, like what is what is the point of buying their game? Why is it sold so well? Because underneath all of this, there is a good game, but you shouldn't have to like dig through so much crap to to get to the game that you paid for. And I started to think about all the other games that I've done this in the past, and then I asked myself. Should we pre-order games? Is there any point to doing this? We even touched on it earlier about like the value of games and you know games companies doing whatever they want and charging whatever prices, but we're not getting like a complete package. And yeah, like, do you guys think we we should continue to pre-order games or should we wait for them to come out and then make our decision? Because we shouldn't really be giving these companies interest-free loans. <laughs> 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 so when you were talking about cyberpunk there it made me think of another great game called wwe 2k20 <laughs> excuse me the greatest game ever made my so personal great favorite. they never made another oh, one yep. <laughs> yeah, it was so shit that they were like we're not putting another one out never mind 
it possessed a bug that meant that the game was unplayable in the year 2020. What? The year that the game was named after was unplayable in the game. That's my Let that sink in. I that how sink would in. you even do that? <laughs> Somebody was there programming it for, for shits and giggles, guys. <laughs> oh, apparently it was like the worst handover of all time. It was sloppy. It was really bad. But yeah, yeah, it must have been a drive-by of notes. Like someone <laughs> just threw him out the window and drove off. Like, here you go, it's your problem oh, now. Yeah. You know, oh, someone must have been getting sacked. I'm like, oh no, I don't want this guy to do well. Nah, screw that. Deleting little bits. <laughs> <of time. laughs> You'll never take me alive. <laughs> yeah, so I would never buy 2K20 now, and I'm gonna think twice before I ever buy a 2K game now. WWE 2K game, I should say. And hearing about all these bugs, you said it yourself, Isaac, there are game-breaking bugs that didn't stop you from playing, but you could understand if it stopped other people from playing. I'm definitely one of those people. If I cannot play in my game, if it's crashing on me, I'm going to put the thing down. I'm going to delete it. Like, the whole purpose of a game is to be played. How can I not play this game I spent how much on? Mm-hmm. And you, you asked a very good question. This is why I cancelled my Cyberpunk pre-order. You could cancel it, pre-order again, and then cancel again. Oh, that was the trend. That was, that was oh. the trending. Wait, did you actually pre-order the trending? Yeah, I pre-ordered it. Cancelled it. Yeah, pre-ordered I, again. Yeah, because I really liked the Amazon exclusive cover. It looked really cool. Mm-hmm. But then I realized I don't think I actually want this game. And then I saw the cover again, so I pre-ordered it again. And then I cancelled it for the final time. And you didn't like secretly pre-order it again, but you didn't want to tell us because it's too embarrassing. Well, the thing is, sure? the thing is, people talk about Marvel Spider-Man now, three years after release. People talk about God of War still after release. Death Stranding has been out for a year, maybe, and no one talks about that game anymore. So it makes me feel like I've made the right decision. And when it comes to the subject of pre-orders, I'm very strict. I'm very stingy. I'm very rarely going to pre-order something. I pre-ordered the PS5 because I knew the stocks would not last until release day. I knew I had to be quick, and that's why I pre-ordered it. God of War, I pre-ordered it because I knew I was going to get my money's worth. If I'm not 100% sold on a game, I'm not going to pre-order it. So I think the AAA titles, which everyone is hyping up, I'm not going to be pre-ordering those anymore because there's I'm not sold. And if I'm not sold, I'm going to wait. I'm going to see performances of this game. And... I'm not in a rush anymore. I'm not so much into this stuff that I don't ever want to see spoilers. I don't want to see anyone playing the game. Don't care about that. I want to be satisfied with my purchase. No, that's fair enough. What about you, Akira? I am thinking about this now, and I've never pre-ordered a game. And I think it's because gaming and the prices and everything that comes with it, I can't knowingly part with 50-plus quid without knowing anything about this game. Like, I can't I, I can't do it. Like, it's, it's just not me. And I don't know if it's because I don't trust the publishers to give me what... Actually, no, actually, that's kind of what it is. I don't think there is a level of quality that is constantly met across the board by gaming publishers. And a lot of the times, it is because of crunch. Like, we don't have enough time. We've made promises we actually can't keep. But based on a repeated like a repeated pattern that seems to be happening across the gaming industry i'm not giving you my money for free fam like exactly. on hopes and dreams mm. i need 
I need quality. I want to hear from people. I want to hear the good. I want to hear the bad. No matter how much I love it, I need to hear more about the game. Because, like I said, I can't be pre-ordering on hopes and dreams. Like, it's got me fags. No, do you know how mad I would be? I personally, uh, I couldn't have ordered Cyberpunk and had it be the way that it is. I would be so disappointed as someone who looked forward to this game. And I love me some Keanu Reeves, but boy, I don't think Keanu could have saved it or set it right back to the shop. <laughs> Yeah, it got so bad that PS Plus, uh, PS Store had to stop selling the game on their platform, offered refunds. Quetty had t-shirt designs, yeah, that I don't think they were confirmed, but for a Cyberpunk um, refund. Oh. Yeah, it said Cyber Refunds wow. in the little, like, font as well. It's just, yeah, so. That is not good at all. Well, despite that, they still made 13 million sales in the first 10 days or so. That is including refunds. Mm. So I guess they did something right. The game is good. That's that's the thing that's the most frustrating thing about this. The game is good. But like I said, you've so imagine if someone gave you like a banging cake, but someone sprinkled shit all over it. Are you gonna eat that cake? It's still gonna taste lovely, but do you wanna eat that cake? Do you wanna like have to like just remove all of that to get to the nice bit in the middle? That's basically cyberpunk. <laughs> so you removed all of the shit sprinkled on your cake, and you yeah, ate I removed it. it. I removed it, yeah, because I was hungry. It, it tasted really hospital. good. She knows that you just finished that cake. I did. I did, and I wanted Fair to go up. back for seconds as well because I there's, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do that to myself again. I had to be like, enough's enough, Isaac. Like, pick up your dignity and pride, and don't do that again. <laughs> I don't know. I also feel like I don't like to pre-order. I think especially in the case of Cyberpunk, you knew how much pressure they were under to get yeah. this game out, to get it ready. And they kept delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. And I was like, this is also for, for the gratification of myself. If I have ordered something, I expect it to come when I've ordered it. Like, okay, I'm going to get this game now. You can't keep pushing. I can't have this relationship. Is are we on or are we off? Please. <laughs> I feel like they finesse the public there. For me personally, I I I feel on the second delay that I realize this game isn't going to be the finished article whenever it comes out. Mm. How many because years are they working on it though? About seven. So yeah, meant to be out in April, then September. And then they pushed it back to November. And yeah, I couldn't part with my money. After the second delay, I something was up. I, I could just tell something was up. This game isn't finished and it's not going to be. And I had to cancel my pre-order. I, I, didn't, I lost my faith. I lost my trust in this developer and publisher. I could not trust these group of people to provide the game that I'm expecting. It's like that Dr. Dre album that he has delayed for like 20 plus years he can't release it now because it's sure to disappoint you can't deliver on that much expectation and cdpr definitely didn't i think their their marketing team was, was too good for their own good i think their marketing team just did too much of a good job and when the game came out i was like this is this is shit this is not what we saw in the trailers this is not what you promised us this is not what we saw in the demos. The clothes, um, I think they had, I think it's called hands-off demos that they showed us at like 
yeah. uh, EGX, etc., etc., where you couldn't actually play it yourself. And sneaky CDPR, I, I can see why we weren't allowed to to play ourselves. It's not because the game world is too vast. Because when you're doing a mission, it is quite linear. Like that mission in the in the hands off uh, demo they showed us, it's quite linear. There there aren't a lot of branching paths. They could have let us play that on the floor. But no, uh, there was an ulterior motive. And even when it came down to not letting the the reviewers show like actual content of what they played and only like footage that CDPR had cultivated themselves, again, so underhand, so, so underhand. Great marketing, though, until it wasn't. <laughs> They really seduce people with Keanu Reeves and yeah. all of these genetic modifications. They were like, this is what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, fun <laughs> fact, there's a mod. There's a, fun, there's a mod where you can actually have sex with Keanu Reeves as well. But even Thank that you. is not enough to save the game. Cheers, mate. You see? You see? <laughs> this is what they were doing. You, yeah. you can buy Keanu Reeves, guys. You want this game. They got to deal with those throughout the games, guys. Come on. Come on, it's it's all smoke and mirrors. It's magic, isn't it? They've done a really good job of putting the magic trick on people, and only when it's too late have people now realized that this game doesn't function very well. I should not buy a game in November to only be able to play it properly in February. Does that that's, make sense to anyone? That's not even confirmed. That that might happen. We oh, might delay the patch. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely feel really bad for the people who have worked on this game because I've seen how long it takes to make a flipping two-day count the numbers BBC game, okay? That takes ages. I can't imagine working on a game this big for it to just crash and burn in the way that it's done. And the it I think the pre-ordering definitely did them in as well because you're making these promises and you're breaking them. And then you're doing it again. And the relationship that you have with these eager people who have so much faith in you is getting smaller and smaller and smaller as time goes on. Yeah. And I know I made a joke like a while back about, oh, yeah, obviously, we're going to go into lockdown. It's fine. Just get one guy to work on the PS5 so we get them in time. It's not realistic. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. I wasn't serious, obviously. And we got our PS5 when we got them. But it's just not realistic. Mm. Maybe lockdown had an effect, but... Look how many other games came out during the lockdown era and weren't littered with bugs everywhere. You can blame Crunch, but other other studios had Crunch on their game and mm -hmm. they weren't this buggy. Can you imagine if The Last of Us 2 or Ghost of Tsushima had this many bugs that the game crashed every 45 minutes? The Last of Us 2 got packed in because of hate from the public. Can you imagine? We had one bug in our game and we've never let it live down. <laughs> like, <laughs> we haven't forgotten. <laughs> no, I think your two questions or your topics do link together very well. And I think because of the damage this game has done to the reputation of not only the studio, but to the industry as a whole, I think we might see a change in trend when it comes to pre-orders. I think we might see less pre-orders in general. And definitely when it comes to new IPs, I don't think I've ever pre-ordered a new IP game because mm -hmm. that is definitely dipping your toe, not even dipping your toe, just diving into the deep end. It's very mad. I think pre-orders for the consumer need to be reserved for games that you can trust. The developer team, the publisher team, they're going to give you a game worth your money. Maybe a recurring IP 
or yeah maybe you know a sequel or something Lord of the Ring is a very dangerous game because it kind of tied in and it's a good thing now that they don't take your money until like the game is ready to ship but back in the day I remember that you had to pay to pre-order on the day that you pre-ordered so it was a lot worse. I'd actually be swinging. Like, <laughs> a whole year later, and I've not got my game, but my money is in your hands. Mm. Like, we're fighting. And you know certain merchants are very stingy when it comes to refunding money as well. So now I have to go to your house and get my money back <laughs> because you want to play games with my life. <laughs> it really... God. It really just messed up the faith with people. And I, I just feel so bad for, like, the programmers and stuff because they were like, this game is not ready. And they were like, it's ready. (laughs) It's not ready. You're not understanding me. It's not ready. So what I'm hearing is it's time to pre-order. It's ready in November, guys. It's ready. When was it supposed to come out? 2019. It's ready. Oh, God. They they fully just gave a date and just prayed that it would work out. And it just didn't. Nope. I just hear the programmers like in tears, like, are you not understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth? It's not done. Fire the presses. Bring Keanu out. They were just... <laughs> Damage control. That's just, oh, yeah, like, the God. The miscommunication must be mad between, like, the devs and the management or whatever. We're going to need eight years. I'm here in seven. No, you're not listening to me. No, right, well, you got five. It wasn't seven. It's like I hear tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they no. might actually have to take because I'm not quite sure how the video game life cycle works out between, you know, testing and the time that you can say pre-orders already. But if they want to continue with pre-orders, they ain't gonna have to move. I don't know where it is in the, li- in the line, but they need to move it back. Because mm. this is a perfect example of, we've worked on this for ages. Yo shit, there's so much wrong with it. No, nah, but we've said we're gonna do this now. So we're gonna do it now. There's nothing yeah. you could do about it. We've signed on the dotted line. I don't care if we've got other stuff to do. We said we'd tell them by this date and we go and tell them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my thing is, imagine if you couldn't, patch things imagine there was no such thing as dlc and now you've released this to the public you're finished because there's no way you can make your money but you've got all these discs all these games that don't work just you're done that's it yeah so if you cast your mind back to the ps2 era <laughs> where you know this wasn't a thing dlc nor patches there were no such thing as day one patches day zero patches none of that the game you bought for 30 quid or whatever was the game. And if it didn't play well, it didn't play well. You just dealt with the glitches and the bugs as they came. I think that might finish a company, honestly. If they release a game that buggy in that era where they couldn't fix it. If you can't even play the game, I've spent 30 quid and I can't play the game. There would actually be oh. riots in the street. <laughs> it would be worse than season eight of Game of Thrones because are you mad? At least my parents are paying for TV licenses. You have the audacity to take money out of my account with an unfinished game? (laughs) Please, it's only been two years. I'm not over it. I know. I know. (laughs) I think as a result of this, I do think we're seeing games not automatically have release dates anymore. We're only seeing release dates where I feel the game is ready to go gold. Mm. Odd World is one for example so we're seeing games that have release months maybe release seasons 
There's a couple of games that just have spring on them. Quarter one, God of War Ragnarok is one, for example. It's GDC? coming out. Yeah, it's coming out this year, supposedly, but no release date. And I think it's just a precaution. And I appreciate that. I think long gone are the days where we want this game now. We want this game now. We're seeing games that are out now, now, now. And we don't want that. We want the game when it's ready. And if it means you can't tell us when it's going to be ready, that's fine. Because we will wait. We will be patient. We understand what we're, we're, the world is going through right now. A completely unprecedented time. If you can only get away with a quarter as your release date, fine. As long as you are continuing to work on the game and when it's ready to purchase, it won't need a day one patch. I'll say it again, Andy. Just say it one more time, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick and tired of buying a game and it's downloading for hours. Like I just want to play it. Let me put it in and it plays. But what do you think? Let us know your thoughts. Are you still pre-ordering games? If so, what are your pre-order habits? Do you pre-order the most hype game, like a Cyberpunk, for example, like a Deathloop? Are you buying these games for yourself? Are you buying them for relatives, a partner, a child? Or are you flat out refusing to pre-order games as, until you work out whether the game is good or not? Let us know what your pre-order habits are. And I think we'll call it there. Oh, good length. I think we hit a lot of topics there. It will be time to give a shout out to our monthly patrons. So shout out to our official patrons, Spilt Milk Studios. If you'd like to be a patron, check out the link in the description to see how you can become one and get exclusive and early content. But make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Streamcast underscore. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Streamcast. And follow us on Twitch, Streamcast TV. As we mentioned at the top of the pod we had our first live quiz and it was really really fun so come and have a go if you think you're smart enough take care of yourselves and your loved ones stay safe keep on gaming and we'll catch you on the next streamcast take care